Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invites you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Still Growing in Grace. I'm glad you're taking time to tune in today. We've got some great stuff for you again, a really great conversation about growing in grace and still growing in grace with uh, um, Richard Murray and Bill Thrasher. Um, We're going to try and have a number of these conversations as we go. We also have some interviews coming up of some Canadians that are growing in grace, and uh, stay tuned for those. Uh, Those are being recorded now, and then they'll be shared uh, in a little bit because it's important to hear from each other so hey uh, how are you growing what areas are you struggling in we're hoping to also tackle some pretty tough topics stuff that's been hard to understand or bible verses that have been used as a club uh, to try and control people what's a better way to see it and there are there are more hope-filled perspectives on some of these tough passages If you've got a couple in mind that you would like us to talk about, just send me a quick email or message me on Facebook, and I'd be happy to consider looking at the topic and having a discussion with some friends. It's easier to do with a group of people because each of us brings a different perspective, and I don't know, it's kind of fun. If you haven't noticed, we get to banter off each other uh, quite easily. So let's, let's dig into our conversation today with Bill Thrasher and Richard Murray. Don't forget to check out their links in the the, um, description below, and uh, let's get Get into this really, really great interview. All right, here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Still Growing Grace. I'm here with uh, Bill Thrasher and Richard Murray. We're here to have a wonderful conversation about growing in grace. And yes, this program is called Still Growing in Grace because none of us have arrived. And so I want to, these guys don't know what we're going to be talking about today because I'm I'm just telling them now. But uh, in fact, it can go sideways. They they might over uh, you know overvote it and uh, rule overrule it rather and change it. But for a long time, we've been having the ta- uh, the discussion of what are those key things we have been growing from, or what were those um, key things that have changed in our theological journey. Uh, when we started to understand God's grace, what were those paramount steps um, that we can look back and go, yeah, that was big. That was big. That was big because there are so many others that haven't walked that walk yet and are going to, and they need to know that there's hope. So to me, I want to give you guys a, a quick 10 different things really fast. And then I want to hear from you guys. What are some of the ones that you had to really wrestle with that were big uh, as far as knowing your identity, who God is, blah, 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 whichever ones they were. We've talked about some of them already and it's been good. But if I look back on my journey, um, because we were talking about child, young man, adult or young person, adult uh, last time, that was a lot of fun. And this happens all the way through this. So for me, my my forgiveness was the big one that I I did not know I was forgiven. That blew my mind. Um, I read um, Classic Christianity by Bob George. Then I read Grace Walk by Steve McVeigh. Those two books brought me to tears with a revelation that I was forgiven because I grew up believing I had to beg for it and I had to stay forgiven like seven up. I had to stay forgiven up. It was terrible. Um, then my view of God changed uh, how God views me that I'm not disgusting. Um, I, was talked, I was taught that I have a, a sinful nature and a, a spiritual, a good nature. That was a big one. 
And I don't, we have a singular nature. I didn't know what flesh is. In fact, still looking at what flesh is and ego and what self means, I'd be happy to discuss that some more. Um, we talked about the power of indwelling sin in my journey. We have not talked about it, but what is that? If it is a thing, or is it a misunderstanding? Um, co-crucifixion with Christ. I didn't know I was co-crucified. I didn't know about union. That was like the biggest thing. Uh, what does abiding mean? You know, following the rules? No. Uh, duty versus service. We had a brief conversation about that earlier. We do things out of duty versus uh, uh, a loving response to God. Um, uh, what else? Obedience is actually not a swear word. That's something else that I learned. Uh, it's actually a good thing. Uh, Jesus is my life. That was huge. I thought I didn't get it until after I died. I thought, you know, John three sixteen. you know, you can have eternal life. That's nice one day, but no, that was, it's now. Um, spiritual warfare is of the mind, not necessarily demons running around. Um, understanding what the law is versus uh, the co and, and covenants. Those, so those are the big ones that I had to wrestle through and still do. I still grow deeper in each of these. Those are some nuggets that if you're going to be on a journey of identity and seeing a bigger and better picture of who God is, these are some of the things you're going to address. What have you guys seen? Do you concur? Do you connect with that? Or what are some other ones that I may have really missed? No, I concur with all those, um, maybe in slightly different language, but I think yeah. all of those are, are the, the, the spider web that is this thing that we navigate to different points in the, the kind of entangled understanding of faith and spirit and God and self and scripture and Christ. Ooh, yeah, that one. Right. All these things are, are it's, 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 a, it's a web and we intersect in different points in different spots. And we, we, oh, well, these tie together in this cool, new, unique way, you know, atonement's another one oh, um, yeah. that you didn't even touch on. And that, that atonement's not one thing. It's this spectrum of different things that we can look at from different angles. Um, great metaphor that I, I used to give people and show people is, you know, you take a piece of paper and you have a circle on it and you have a rectangle on it and, and ask, are these the same shape? And you're like, no. And then you show them the cylinder. And it's just, it is the same shape. It's just which angle you're looking at it from, right? And so much of, I think, what you're talking about has that same mentality. We, in institutionalized Christianity, really only heard these things from one myopic angle. And it's not that that angle is always wrong. And I think that's one thing in the destruction, deconstruction world that, that tends to get overblown. Like everything's wrong. Yeah. It's, it's incomplete. That's it's my word. I agree. Yeah. It's incomplete. We're just looking at so many of these things from a very, you know, two dimensional aspect and we really need to pivot. And it, guess what? Three dimensions. Oh, and as we kind of even get beyond that, we can start to even imagine dimensions beyond our own conceptualization. And so um, I think that's the thing that you've walked through, and I'd imagine Richard has too. Yeah, I, I think that something I see that the Lord continually does is he weans us off what satisfied us yesterday. He weans wow. us away from what we've depended on before to keep it organic. And, you know, the best example, you know, is that Nehusha stand in the Old Testament where they all looked up at the snake on the pole and got healed. Then a couple of centuries later, it's become an idol 
and Hezekiah or whoever, whichever king it was, comes in and smashes it because the people were worshiping it, yep. you know, because they and they stopped interacting with the Lord. And I'm telling you, there are so many things. Your scripture is a perfect example of that. I actually believe the scripture carries an incredible embedded revelation of God waiting to be catalyzed, you know, for us. And yet at the same time, I also see that the, there comes a point when he weans us away from it because he's weaning us away from it to get us into the spirit, mm-hmm. you know, to get us into organic, you know, communications with him. And, and I think it shocks, you know, whether we call that deconstruction or whether we go at growing. I mean, and listen, the previous stuff worked for us where we were at, you know, it was a blessing and it worked for us where we were at, but it, it doesn't work now because we want to capture it and at, lock it in. Don't we? Yeah. We look at it as a method and uh, in, instead of uh, as a magnificent obsession, you know, I think that the goal that we all have is to be magnificently obsessed with God, to be a magnificently obsessed with love, to be magnificently obsessed, you know, with passion, compassion, tenderness. We want to be obsessed with those things, but yeah, we don't want to be. Obsessed. But you can't control that. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. You can't make so, a formula. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I think the hardest thing for me that that that's been one thing to realize that you can't clutch anything too tightly that you're holding on to today, other than Jesus. There are that he is the clutch. You know, he is the he is the one thing you can clutch to. But it's like he's taking us on a journey, a walkabout journey to to show us, well, this is good, this is blessed, but let, there's more for you. Yeah. You know, there's always more underneath the surface. And that causes you to go into some cycles of of excitement and then disillusionment, you know, and then rebuilding and it's so much like that movie, The Matrix, that I love so much. Love I mean, that movie. You, know, you know, the first movie's great. You think he's broken through it. Then you realize there's another level of control that he's got to deal with in the next two movies. But I think it's good to understand that he's stirring us out He started, he started talking about The Matrix and The Matrix took over. Did you see that, Mike? Yes. Yes. Sorry, <laughs> Richard, you couldn't see that. You froze up. <laughs> Yeah, there's a glitch. Somebody's messing up the programming. Uh, yeah. That was good. Uh, uh, but, um, you know, and I think that would be one thing. And the other thing would be that it's it's just from my own life, as I was sharing with y'all earlier, you know, just, just realizing the difference between duty and love, you know, that uh, it would be a shame if we just get through this life and just just fulfilling a duty. And I fulfilled my duty to try to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind. And that's such a laborious, heavy, law-driven thing. And, um, you know, j- just to kind of leave that thinking behind and, and, and just go for the real go for the real thing. God is love. And, you know, we can talk about God is love day after day, time after time, but walk away. You know, Kierkegaard, I think it was Kierkegaard that said that the Christians of his day would go in church and talk about they were eagles and how they could fly in the sky and do all things. And then they'd all waddle home like a gaggle of geese, you know, never taking off into the sky, you know? And, and I think that, uh, um, you know, to, to walk where, where we want to go to that places of, of, of romance with the Lord, mm-hmm. we've got to be willing, we've got to be willing to leave everything else behind to, to, to let ourselves be weaned off the things we've depended on out of duty or out of habit or out of obligation. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, but it's, it's flying, you know, it's flying without a net, so to speak. Um, but you know what, I mean, what, what else have we got to do? I mean, we're here. I mean, what, that's, that's, uh, you know, the, the mystery and, and, and all that. I mean, I, I just, uh, I think it's 
to keep the excitement and to keep the mystery going. I mean, you can't think you've ever got it solved. That's the thing about a life of mystery. It never actually gets solved. You just enjoy the journey of it. So, well, we've all seen the matrix, right? Everybody here. Mm -hmm. So I think the journey of growing is like revisiting the matrix with somebody else who has different insight into it. Okay. Uh, I didn't realize the spiritual connections in that movie. I had to research. I found out the person who wrote it was an agnostic, a person who didn't believe in God at all, had nothing to do with it. There was no intent plan of spiritualizing that movie. And yet the entire gospel is in that movie. In fact, it is the only movie I've ever seen Jesus becoming sin and then winning at the end of that third uh, episode. But unfortunately, I ain't smart enough to figure that out. Somebody pointed it out to me. It's like, once I saw it, I couldn't believe it. So it required a tour guide. Somebody showed me all these little things. And it's like, oh my goodness, I never saw that. That's our role to the gospel, to point out these things that are exciting that we've never seen, although it's in front of us the whole time. We're seeing the same thing everyone else is, but the lens changes, just like in that, uh, what's that movie where they're chasing after all these, the, um, the Declaration of Independence, what movie is that? National treasure. Yeah. So the national treasure, same thing. You've got these cool glasses and you look through them. Suddenly you see the three dimensional <laughs> image on the back of the thing. And then he does like switches them and then boom, another one. All because the lens change, you see more and wider, deeper on just a plain document. That's and good. This is the revelation. It just keeps getting deeper and deeper. There isn't just one switch. There isn't just I've arrived, which I thought with grace I did because I was ready to go up against anybody and especially any legalist pastor and tell them how wrong they were. Oh, was I ever humbled? <laughs> Honestly, I, I meant, I, I didn't think I was arrogant, but looking back, holy smokes, that was arrogant because I didn't know. Now I'm realizing, hang on, this is the Holy Spirit's job to wake us up. And if somebody can come alongside me and flip the lens on the glasses for just a moment and show me something else in scripture, <gasps> I never <coughs> saw that. It's like the interview you did. There were some people that didn't have that lens and they were looking from a flat lens and couldn't see. But few people, you could tell that one of the things switched and they, they saw something beyond the written black and white text. Yes, yes. Well said. That's awesome. No, I agree. And to point out something else, and again, this is, I think, more, I don't know if it ties in or not, but I, and Richard, you, you've helped me see this, but I kind of knew it before. You just kind of, I guess, articulated it in a way that every human story has the allegory of Christ in it somewhere. It's, it's, it's so embedded in our nature, in our human nature. It doesn't matter really what we're watching. I mean, it's interesting if you watch any movie or you read any book, especially fiction, there is this in, inherent quality of darkness and light and overcoming and you know uh story for lack of a better word that has some sort of climax and such a resolution and even in the darkest tales there's this this suffering or this co-suffering kind of quality and and if if you look at it from the right perspective mike just like you were saying and, and i think that's so you know so cool about the scriptures is the scriptures are just stories right? And they're the human story. They're the human story told from a pretty, you know, detailed lens of one group of people and following them through some history. But it, it's, it's a transparent story too. And, and so much of it is right about God. And so much of it's just dead wrong about God. But even in the misunderstandings, there's these trinkets of, of gold that, that if you dig deep enough, you're like, oh, even in the misunderstanding, God's there 
showing us and leading us to a better understanding tomorrow. Sometimes it's not digging. Sometimes it's in the river. You can see because the light is shining off that gold and suddenly you catch a glimpse and it's reachable. It's right there. You don't have to dig. It's right there. And sometimes you dig deep, 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 deep. And you find another one. And it, again, there's yeah, not, that'd be you, Rich, uh, Bill. You're, you're the <laughs> there's not one formula. I think that goes back to what you were saying, Richard. There's not one method that always gets the nugget right, so to speak. So it's 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 part of the journey. Some days it's easy, and some days it's really difficult. But regardless, you know, it, if we dig or, or or we we track long enough, um, we tend to find it. We tend to discover it, and that's that's pretty amazing. Let me, let me ask you guys. So go ahead, Richard. No, I was just going to say, I think that crisis in all things, especially where passion is present, mm. you know, and passionless projects, it's hard to find really good allegories in passionless True. projects. But anytime human passion, I think that's the spiritual gasoline. Anytime human passion is at work, whether it's a song or a movie or a book or, yep. or a poem or whatever it is, the whole thing is about fi- finding our passion and then con- converting that you know, into the divine romance and letting him wean us off the things that we've used to replace romance, but to, to replace that passion, whether, you know, whether it's duty or whether it's obligation, whether it's the law, the law sure come in there, you know, and um, I, we, I was talking with somebody the other night just about how zealous, um, you know, we were talking about how zealous the Pharisees and Paul was, you know, beforehand, but Paul said, it's always good to be zealous in a good thing but it's not good to be zealous in a bad thing. And so much of the religious stuff that people are zealous about are bad things, whether it's the law, whether it's about condemnation, whether whatever it's about, they're zealous about the wrong things. And Paul was trying to say, be zealous about Jesus, you know? And from, from that, that's about all, that's about all we need to know is, mm-hmm. is to, you know, focus our seal zeal on Jesus. And then everything else, he's going to wean us off of everything. I, I really think I've, I've, I've seen that just so much in my life, the things that he's weaned me off of over the years. And it's a good thing, you know, it's, and he's not going to rip you, you know, to use, you know, to rip you away from what you may be suckling on as, as a young believer, or even as a young teenage believer, or even as a father, you know, the, the, to use those three levels. Uh, but anytime we start depending on something other than just interacting in the here today, here now, I, you know, y'all, I don't want to be here 10 years from now, just talking about relating to, to the Lord about relating to the Lord. I mean, I want to, I want to stop being on tape delay and actually be in, in the relating to the Lord now. And not even that you don't even talk about it. You're just doing it. You're, you don't talk about it because you're too busy doing it and interacting with it and feeling, letting that love energize you. You know, I'm convinced that the love of God is an energy that love itself is an energy and, and, and it, and it energizes you. Emerson said this, he said, the only difference between humans is energy. You know, the only real difference. And I, I think that's a really, very good quote. So what, what's your source of energy and, um, and duty doesn't, you know, duty and other things like that, legalism and all that doesn't give you energy. It, I mean, it may give you some viciousness, <laughs> but it, it doesn't give you the energy that lets you live positively and, and at your best. Mm-hmm. Let me throw a question at both of you. This is uh, going to sound weird, and somebody may not like the question when they hear it at first, but I think you'll know what I mean. You were talking about being weaned off of things. Have you been weaned off of scripture? And if so, what does that mean? Does that mean discarding it? Or what has the weaning process meant for you from scripture? And I'm going somewhere with this. If you don't catch on, I'll, I'll switch quickly and show you what I mean. But wonder if you can catch what I'm going for. Go ahead, Bill. 
um, I, I have, I have changed in my life uh, from a dependency on scripture um, to a enjoyment of scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, by, by, by a large degree. I, I'm not weaned fully off of scripture in that it's um, no longer uh, tasty to my soul, right? I, I enjoy going and getting a, a, a scoop of ice cream, but I don't eat ice cream every night anymore. <laughs> trying to lose a little weight, right? So, um, but there's times where I'm sparked and I want to go revisit a story or I want to dig deeper into an account because I know that something in me is resonating that, Hey, there's one of those nuggets we were talking about earlier that you haven't discovered yet. So go put some head down time and, and, but it's, it's more of it. Like it's that passion adventure, right? I'm excited. I want, I want to go, okay, there's a, there's some, there's a motivation there outside of me influencing me to go, to go and, and do that. So, yeah, I would say I'm, I'm, I'm weaned off of dependency, but I'm not weaned off of um, enjoyment. Weaned off yeah. of how you read it, right? Yeah, yeah I'd like, I, I, uh, I'm a huge James Taylor fan. And uh, James Taylor, we went to a concert many years ago, and he said, and this really just blew me away. He said, I've only really written about 18 songs, but I write them over and over again in different ways. And I'm almost convinced that scripture has about 18 songs in it and it, but it's written a hundred different ways. So, um, you know, but, but having said that, I would also say that you have to, I, I think part of the weaning process in this is that who is going to be, who are you going to consult to understand scripture? Are you going to consult your conscience, which is where the, the spirit is? Or are you going to do do surface reading or uh, dogmatic what other people say that the scripture means? That in itself is a weaning. God is separating. He's he's put stuff out here that's hard to understand. And not that he wrote. I don't believe that he wrote it. I believe that they were distorted, you know, in some of what they wrote. Because I read Matthew 5, 38 through 48. You know, that's my favorite 10 verses in the Bible. And that settles that settles everything for me. It is the most important passage in the Bible for me. It may not be for you, but it is for me. I have, I am planting my flag on those 10 passages and I am making my stand. The father's perfection, the last verse is, is detailed in the previous 10 verses. He says, therefore be you perfect as your heavenly father's perfect. The previous 10 verses talk about how he's perfect, about how he walks the extra mile, turns the other cheek, blesses his enemies, loves his enemies. Uh, give it sends the rain on the just and the unjust like how he does nothing but love those who are even against him. And that is the name that is the nature of God. And I don't if there's another passage that seems to say other than that, then either you don't understand it as you ought to. Or you know what? You're just going to stand on Matthew 5, 38 and 48. Say, I'm not accepting that passage in its in its present form, in my present understanding of it, because my conscience won't let me. Do you understand? I mean. I hope I'm explaining how, what it is, you know, for, for that to take place in you, your confidence in the Lord and confidence in your heart and confidence in his nature. I, I really see that as growing up. I mean, that you, you mature to a place where I'm going to make my stand on what I know to be true and the passages I don't understand. And even, and even, uh, you know, uh, what was it? C.S. Lewis, I think, uh, um, said that, you know, the, the, per, the passages we don't understand, we put on a shelf. You know, and some mystic somewhere may be able to draw it. some life, some life burner, out of it. Right? Yeah, 
Yeah, but just put it on the shelf until you do understand it. And if you don't, focus on the ones you do understand that have been confirmed by the spirit, confirmed by your conscience. We but, accept truths without letting our conscience confirm them and letting the spirit confirm them. But putting them on the shelf or the back burner doesn't dismiss them. It just means right. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit be the one in charge of the timing of bringing that to the forefront. Right. Because yeah, hell and, and end or, times were the two that I had to put in the back burner. Yeah. Or it may be somebody else's. I mean, it, it's not my calling to understand every scripture. Yeah. And boy, that takes the pressure off when you realize that. I mean, it's a smorgasbord. And you can go in there and take what you're drawn to. You know, there are flavors that you're drawn to. They're there for you. You don't have to eat the whole thing. I like black right? cherry. <laughs> <laughs> and, and but Lewis said that, too. Some of them are up there for mystics, you know, for mystics to find, for mystics to play around in. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, to, to sit here and and uh, I, I noticed time and time again that people like even that interview we were talking about the other night, Mike, um, is, is that people have a vitamin vitamin all deficiency. You know, when they see, when they see time and time again, passage after passage says all will be saved, all will be filled, all will know me from the least to the greatest under the earth, above the earth, in the sea, above the sea, all, every man, when every, every man's works, you know, every, all, it, it's like that those words don't exist. I did all, that doesn't mean all. That I means, never saw uh, that for most of my pastoral years, never saw those verses. Yeah, I didn't either. I mean, I did it, 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 but they're all over the place and they far dwarf the ones, yeah. you know, that the rhetoric, you know, that's being yeah. used about hell and, and the different things. I mean, it, they far outweigh those. Yeah. But it, our eyes are trained. It's like you were saying with the, with the, with the lenses, you know, we're putting on lenses where we just kind of read over these words. Mm -hmm. Yep. And they're kind of important. All, every, mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's kind of a good word. You need a tour guide through those scriptures. And I, the tour guide's Jesus, actually. Absolutely. Yeah. It really is. Have you guys heard of the On Pasha by Melto of Sardis from uh, 190 AD? I'm going to put it on the screen just to show you. Um, I heard about this from Brad Jerzak. Uh, I was listening to one of his talks from one year ago, and he was talking about this, that the guy who wrote this was sharing with, uh, all the way through it, you're going to see comments where it says, Joseph was not jesus but he's a type of jesus there's a there is a, a projection a type put on all the way through the scriptures oh, boy, that yeah. points to christ were they a real person probably real people but were the stories completely real who knows but the story is a picture of a type of what is to come in fact um there was a the word prefigure was uh discussed in that talk and i found out the word prefigure means an early vision of something imagined beforehand prefigured and so the the idea is an architect building um a uh, mini structure before the big thing and uh uh that that joseph in the old in the old testament going through egypt you know being sold and blah, you know all that stuff like it's a type of what christ went through like we we start to look for that you're going to start to see it but you need a guide i had a buddy of mine named lon ray uh i don't know how to pronounce his last name he's a medical doctor in saskatchewan Canada. And he pointed out to me a story of um, that one of the dreams that, the, of, that Joseph had to predict, predict in, the, in the jail. The guy who had the, um, uh, the cupbearer, he had all the grapes, and then the other mm -hmm. guy was the, the bread guy, and the guy got, one guy got impaled, the other one you know, was set free. But he talked about the blood speaks of the cross, the, the blood of Christ speaks that's spilled, and that dream is about the blood, the juice, the wine speaking freedom to Joseph getting out of prison. It was the cupbearer who was that voice. It was just the parallels 
I could never peril that. How can you put that together, dude? And he's, this guy's got all these cool insights about all kinds of stories. And we need brothers and sisters like that. You know, that each, each person can contribute light, a lens, purple, blue, red, whatever, you know, to the, to the, to the stories that have yeah. been there all along. Yeah. And you know, what's, what's interesting to me is that even embedded within the Old Testament, there are things that point to the flaws of the Old Testament. You know, the, the major one being Moses, you know, how everyone worships Moses and follows Moses. And yet we see Moses didn't get in the promised land. You know, if we had been writing the narrative, I would have put the big grand Pumbaa of the Old Testament yeah. would have made it in the promised land. He needs he a didn't. hurrah. Yeah. And, and the reason that he didn't was because he misrepresented the character of God, because when God told him to speak to the rock and cause the water to gush out, he got furious and impatient with the people. He struck the rock in anger. And, 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 um, and the Lord told him that because you failed to sanctify my name or my nature, you will not enter the promised land. What I love about that is that you don't hear many people even talk about that passage as to why he didn't get in. But I mean, we do the same thing. That is so relevant to us because we misrepresent. We may hear something from the Lord and think it's right, but then we deliver it in anger or we misrepresent it. And it's us striking the rock. I mean, there's so many good teachings from there. It, it, it exposes its own weaknesses and its own flaws. Yep. And I, that's what I love about it. No, no one person could have even known all that. It's like, like your thing with what you were talking about. I mean, who knew? I mean, these things are all over the place in oh. the Old Testament waiting to be discovered. Yeah. And that's what this uh, uh, Melito of Sardis writes all through that sermon on Easter, because the it's a story of Easter weekend, Good Friday, right to Easter, all in one message. That apparently that's how they did it back then. But this is the picture of Christ through the Old Testament. I've no, I'm, I'm going to read it now because it's, it, it's really quite incredible. But it reminded me that we need a tour guide into the scriptures. So I've had to... Uh, move on in my baby understanding of scripture uh, to start to, to be open and teachable. Now I'm getting some life experience. Now I'm seeing things differently, right? Because I'm personally experiencing things. Now I'm reading some of these texts differently because of my own experiences. So Jesus well, is becoming more and more alive personally. Can I mention one more thing about the maturity of it? Because if you think, you know, we were talking about weaning you off of, well, who, who weans? Babies, they wean. You know, and they drink the milk. Paul talks about drinking the milk, but then he talks about the meat. And sometimes the meat, the, when you're done with milk, you no longer fiddle with milk. Okay. I mean, so even though that may still offer milk to certain people, I mean, we move on to meat and meat has broader themes and deeper things and, you know, more challenging things, things that take more digestion, you know, take a lot more juices and all to get involved with it. And that means that we're reading on, on a different level, Completely. you know, all, all, all together. So, I think we can recognize people when they're operating, when they're operating out of a real literalism, the more literal they are with the scripture, the more they're, be, the more they're on milk. Yep. Very yep. Much. You know, and some of the stuff is okay, but uh, you know, it's, it's, we're, we want to be meat eaters. That's what maturing is, is becoming a meat eater. Allegorically. Yes. <laughs> For all the vegans. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I got a grill yeah. in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been fun. I think uh, the continued theme of maturing has been evident. And uh, I, I think, uh, Richard, you made a suggestion that we begin to take a look at some of the tougher topics through scriptures, because I know in your one interview, you had a whole bunch uh, suggested to you, you had to deal with. It'd be fun to slow that down and take a look at some insights into some of the tougher stories in the scriptures. So what about this? What about that? Ananias and Sapphires. That was a fun one. You know, what, what happened there? Like, we don't talk about that stuff. So it'd be kind of fun in the next 
a month or two and to kind of touch on some of these items as we move forward. So I'll do a, uh, I'm going to do a, a general, gentle plug. I don't know. This will come out next week, right? Or the Wednesday? This will come out Wednesday? Yes, here. Wednesday morning. Wednesday. So yeah, this week, um, I'll try and repost it. This will come out in the middle of it. Uh, but speaking of your guide kind of mentality, I, one of my favorite studies I've ever led, uh, and I've now done it dozens of times, um, is, is specifically around this week that we're approaching, which is Holy Week, right? Yeah. So the week between um, the triumphal entry all the way through um, uh, Easter Sunday and, and just the amount of prophecy that you were talking about in the Old Testament that is fulfilled in this week and the parallels of scripture and the things that are coming together in, in a, you know, in this kind of apex moment, right? Leading to one specific moment, as I call it, an access of space time where the, the, the fullness of God is revealed and it's, it's perfective wonder and it's Christ crucified. And that's completely unexpected to us as humans, right? We don't expect the, the coronation of God to be the murder of God, um, but it's his forgiveness back to us. And, and, you know, that's kind of a, an amazing thing, but just everything coming together in this, this kind of, you know, the climactic moment of the story um, happens all in really in, in a matter of days. And uh, so I'll, I'll probably be posting that again this week. It's one of my favorite things to do, or I may do it live. I haven't decided yet. It's just a matter of ah, but, uh, cool. I've, I've, I've done it online once, but I may do it again um, live just to re refresh it a little bit. You ought to, you ought yes. to, that, would, that sounds just fantastic. A really good study. But it's that guide thing. We go back and really spend a ton of time in the, in the Passover because this is really a Passover event in a, in a uh, new way. We un, we're taking the, the veil off the Passover, so to speak. Well, it's important. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing that or hearing it or whatever you do with it. <laughs> it's good stuff. Cool. So the plug. <laughs> I love it. That's good. And I'll make sure I post that once I see it. So okay. very good. Okay. All right, guys, we got to wrap this up because time is running quick. Uh, yep. We'll see everyone next time. Thank you for joining in on Still Growing Grace. It's been fun with Bill and Richard as we have meaningful conversations. And it just goes wherever it goes. It's so much fun. All right, we're out of here. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you so much for joining us in this today. And thank you for the comments and the conversations. Kyle, it's good to see you there online. And Lisa, uh, fun having you guys bantering back and forth. I was watching and I thought, I can't even respond fast enough to all the comments because uh, it's a lot of fun. And yeah, we're going to get into stuff. By the way, Bill Thrasher um, has already started that series, that uh, Easter or Walk to Easter, pre-Easter week um, series on the Jesus Purpose Community Facebook page. So please go there and click on it um, and and uh, watch it. Uh, I'm going to see if he can post them onto YouTube because not everybody's on Facebook and sometimes it's easier on YouTube to to uh, follow or listen to it. So anyway, um, thrilled to have you guys on here. Who else said hello? I believe uh, Lisa and Kyle were the two really going and having fun here. It was good. It's such a fun conversation. There's so much more. Kyle, I haven't had you on for a long time. I'd love to have, have you back on uh, for a conversation. I miss you big time. Uh, this COVID thing really has messed up staying connected. The routines keep changing rapidly. Uh, I've had to take on more type of work um, uh, in my life, so I don't have as much availability as I once did. I used to be quite flexible. Sure, let's, let's talk. Book here, book there, blah, blah, blah. I just can't. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I like more flexibility, but can't. So... 
Anyway, a lot of fun. Um, join us next week. Um, I don't know what's going to happen for next week. Hey, good morning, Terry. Good to see you there, buddy. Uh, I've been praying for you, Terry, big time. Uh, love the post that you're sharing about your journey of grief. Um, yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm open, waiting for you. Um, not wanting to bug you about anything else. I know you wanted to talk, but uh, I'm leaving that in your hands. Everyone else, have a really good day. Um, uh, you too, Terry. <laughs> have a really good day. And uh, I hope that was a, a great conversation that you were able to listen to and be encouraged with this morning. The spiritual journey, <clears throat> it's going to look different for everybody. And uh, I love the fact that we talked about the matrix and how uh, the matrix really does a brilliant job describing uh, uh, that there's a better spirituality in the works and at play. The system of religion is what the matrix is. <laughs> it's not real. It's a controlled system. And so anyway, that, that we'll unpack that another time. Um, that's it. You guys have a really, really, really great day. Thanks again for watching. Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.